there, true believers, and welcome to Simply Devotion, the podcast that is all about seeking Jesus on deeper theological levels, because he is worthy of all of our devotion. Hey there, welcome back to Simply Devotion with Pastor Vinny, and this is our final mid-season bonus episode. Basically, if you've been listening, you know I've been filling in between season one and season two with these little bonus episodes, which basically give you an update and, you know, one of the sermons from my archives, just to tie you over until season two starts. Well, I am excited to announce to you today that season two is already under production. I've already mapped out over 20 episodes. I've secured a co-host for season two, Jonathan Martin, and you will learn more about him in the very first episode. Additionally, I've secured several guests that will be joining us, and we will be looking deeply at the real world of Jesus, getting to know from history and archaeology and culture the world that Jesus lived in and getting a little bit more up close and personal with Jesus. It is going to be a super fun and scholastic season. We're going to go deep into new depths of great theology and really looking at building blocks. You know, one, we unlock the historical Jesus and we unlock the history of Jesus, then we really have the building blocks in place for a much more holistic view of the New Testament. I am so excited that season two is right around the corner. It will start on June 30th. And as you know, my habit is always to release an episode on Wednesday at 10 o'clock, 10 minutes after 10, after my favorite Bible verse, John 10, 10. So this is my last bonus episode. I hope you've enjoyed the bonus episodes. I've just wanted to have them because I know that there are a lot of really faithful listeners, and I just want to tell you I am so appreciative to you. Otherwise, I would have just left this gap and not done fill-in episodes between season one and season two because I want each season of Simply Devotion to have, like, you know, a space and a different sort of tone. Like, every season will be just you know, there'll be nuances. It will be different. And so first season was mostly a hodgepodge of different ideas about Jesus and different aspects of theology. And season two is, you know, bringing in other pastors and other scholars and other experts and looking at the culture and world which Jesus grew up in and understanding second temple Judaism and such things. And who knows what 
season three will eventually be about but every season changes a little bit and so i'm going to need space between each season to prepare to plan to sketch out the season so that it's not remaining hodgepodge and to bring in and recruit special guests to sit on in on various episodes so that's basically what i have been up to during this time and We've already began to record season two. We got a lot of recording dates coming up in the next week or two on season two. But I have already secured and finished and produced and have in the can, as we say, season two, episode one. I'm so excited for this to come out. I, I think... I've really been working on my sound. I've really been working on the technical aspects of the podcast. But, you know, basically also having a co-host and bringing in various different guests, I can tell already it is creating a more dynamic and well-thought-out podcast. So I want to just thank you all who have, you know, waited for season two to come out and so you just have a little bit longer to wait if you can hang in there season two will be rolling out before you know it on june 30th at 10 10 in the meantime though you can be excited as i am but you can listen to this sermon this sermon is basically on the prophetess deborah from the Judges, or from Judges, the book Judges, I guess that's how we say it. Anyways, I wanted to preach on Deborah on that particular week because I was preaching on Judges, and I was sampling different sections of the Old Testament and realizing I couldn't speak on everyone who was a part of everything, so I had the opportunity to preach on one judge this year. And so I decided it would be Deborah because Deborah is not preached about enough. In fact, the various, you know, courageous women of the Bible are well underpreached. And so I wanted to contribute to elevating the higher understanding of how women not just in the new testament but even in the old testament even in the formation of israel when it was still in its judges stages were contributing to the cause of god i hope you enjoy this concise sermon the life and ministry and contribution of the courageous woman, Deborah. In those days, they didn't even have a Joshua. But yet, the people were now settled in the land. And they were facing threats because the Canaanites did not want to leave Palestine or Israel or Ephraim. And so the book of Judges talks about 12 different judges that 
that rise up to take power, that rise up to lead God's people in different regions at different times and differently. If you're going to preach in the Judges, you should preach on one of the earlier Judges because as the story of the Judges go on, I, I encourage some independent study. It goes from bad to worse to unmanageable to like, that's in the Bible? That dude is God's man? The one that's going down to the Yenaya and doing the what? How he end up in the faith chapter in Hebrews? Why? So I, I'm just going to play it safe and, and keep in the top four. Because <laughs> it just, it's all downhill after Deborah, I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> okay, there's another reason I want to talk about Deborah. Because we don't talk about her enough. When was the last time you heard a sermon about Deborah? You know, you would think in Seventh-day Adventist churches, you should hear a lot of sermons about a female prophet. Are you with me today? You would think we would, we, we, we would be chomping at the bit to preach about female prophets. Because Deborah is a female prophet. Oh, she's also a leader. That might be her hang-up. I, I, I don't know. In my research about the judges, and particularly Deborah, I found out that the Song of Deborah, which is the fifth chapter of Judges, is believed by modern scholars to perhaps be one of the oldest written parts of the Hebrew Bible. Like, we're still doing research on it, but we believe... It's like after Moses, it's Deborah that gets written down. You, you noticed when we, we read from, from, from Judges a minute ago, it said in those days there was no king because the book was written when there was a king. Right? In those days there was no king because he's remembering back to the judges, whoever wrote Judges. But we believe that chapter 5 of Judges was always there, like, and it was with the writings of Moses. So if you think about Bible writers now, it's like Moses is a pretty big personality to be the second person that someone says, let's write down what they did. Now, here's the other thing. Chapter 5 of Judges, the song of Deborah, is a song. It may be the first hymn we have. It's definitely the first hymn we have written by a woman. She's facing something that pastors really, you know, get frustrated with. She's facing something that it's really hard sometimes to help people with. And, and, and that's, it's become one of the reasons I love this story, because she has people that are just full of spiritual apathy. Can you say that word with me? Spiritual apathy. We, we got to say it together. One, two, three. Spiritual apathy. And you know why they have spiritual apathy? They have spiritual apathy because they are dealing with trauma. 
What kind of trauma? The trauma of having a good leader followed by a bad leader, having a good leader followed by a bad leader. And, and not only that, they're facing the spiritual trauma of having to settle a new land, having enemies on the land. And, and, and so, I don't know, maybe we can relate to trauma. Maybe at the end of a pandemic or in the third quarter of a pandemic, we, we feel trauma. Trauma happens when you struggle for a long time and you just, you, the accumulation of the various events that happen to you become too much and you just start to shut down. And, and this is what Deborah is going to face with her spiritual leaders. She's going to face that although she's awake, although she's ready, although she's faithful, although she's leading, everyone else is dealing with trauma. Now, bear with me, please. I don't know why this is a prejudice statement I'm going to say. And I don't know why I find this prejudice to be true. And this is totally anecdotal. I didn't do any research. But my prejudice is women deal with trauma better than men. That's not a reason that they should have to have trauma. <laughs> the women are saying, say that part again. <laughs> Men, we cut our finger and we're like, help me, I'm going to die. All the women are laughing because they know it's true. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> you know, we get a cough, we're like, <clears throat> I, I think I can't go to work for five years. Women are like, get out of bed. And sometimes that's what we need. Now, Deborah's got to break the cycle of trauma. And I put the cycle of trauma up on the screen. And this cycle of trauma is a cycle of trauma that Israel keeps going through, okay? And they sin. Go into the land and chase the Canaanites out. Well, they're kind of scary. Can't we just, like, marry into them? And then, you know, they sin, and then God lets the Canaanites oppress them, and they get oppressed. And then they're like, oh, this wasn't a good idea. And they're like, they repent, and they cry out to God, and they're like, God, we're so sorry, we should have listened. God raises up a judge. The judge delivers them. They have a period of peace. They're like, this is so great. Someone pass me a margarita. It's celebration time. <laughs> and really, the book of Judges is the story of Israel sinning with the Canaanites, Israel adopting the Canaanite heritage, Israel adopting the Canaanite gods. Israel marrying into the Canaanites, 
and then Israel getting taken over by the Canaanites, and then Israel praying that the Canaanites will let them go, God raising up a deliverer, Israel being like, thank you very much, God, now let us get back to marrying some more Canaanites. And the book goes around and around and around, right? And so, again, the Israelites, you know, again, because they were prophets, judges before Deborah, right? Again, it's a pattern. Again, the Israelites did what? Evil in the eyes of Yahweh, in the eyes of the Lord. Now that Elud, or Ehud was dead. Ehud was the second judge. There was a third judge. He was a regional judge. Ehud was a big judge, and he had ushered in for them many years of peace, actually 40 years of peace. But after 40 years of peace, they're like, a pandemic could never happen to us. Why are we doing all these regulations and storing up all these things? No, 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 let's just have a good time. And boom. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, the king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazar with Sisera, the commander of the army which was based in Hesoth of Hegem. Okay? So, so he allows them to fall. You think about the circle, right? He's allowing them to go around the bend of the circle. And Jabin is more than happy to send in Sisera to get them, who is a mighty, mighty general we're going to learn about. Okay, and so they're going in. It's Asira because he had 900 chariots with iron. So 900 iron chariots. We'll talk about that. Cruelly oppressed the Israelites. Like, the Bible's making a point. This is not a little takeover. They're coming in with 900 iron chariots, and he's cruelly, not just oppressing them, he's cruelly oppressing the Israelites for how many years? For 20 years. And now we are cycling to the next stage on the circle of trauma. They, what? Cried out to the Lord for help, right? Here's your cycle. <laughs> you can track them with me, right? Elud dies, Jabin and Caesarea oppresses, with, with, and Israel is overwhelmed and beaten back and being thrown off their own property. And, you know, it's a terrible situation. So they cry out to God. Now, the fact that it talks about 900 iron chariots. Let me tell you about iron chariots. They're an Egyptian tool. That's how Egypt rose to power. That's how Egypt rose to power to become the superpower of the ancient world. 
iron chariots. Uh, it would be like tanks for us. Imagine 900 tanks coming into your subdivision, and this is 900 iron chariots. And so you can put many people in an iron chariot, and they all can shoot bows, because that's primarily how they did it, and throw spears. That's primarily how they did it. But they're going to come through really fast because they're being pulled by horses and you're on foot. And they're being pulled by horses in a big group and they're shooting in all directions. And when you shoot, all you do is hit an iron chariot. So they can come in and they can overwhelm. And so this is what Deborah is facing. Now, she is a godly prophet, and she is a judge. She's a godly prophet. I mean, what I mean by godly prophet, she hears God. She not only hears God, because lots of us hear God, she listens to what God tells her. He's a judge, which is just an Old Testament word for leader. She's a provoker. Because she hears from God, because she listens to what God tells her, because she leads when God tells her things, she recognizes when things are not right. She recognizes when God's people are in trauma. She recognizes when God's people have been self-crippled by their ongoing cycles of sin. And she has to now think about how will I as a leader provoke them? Deborah is a provoker. She's a provoker of people she doesn't always have the power to provoke. But because her track record is well, even people she doesn't have power over trust her. And so people come all day long to Deborah's palm tree. She sits out under a palm tree and all day long, people, people line up to her like they used to line up for Moses. Remember with Moses and, and Jethro and, and, and the people would come and, and, and they would line up and, and they'd have settle our disputes about our children, settle our disputes about our marriage, settle our disputes about our finances, settle our disputes about our property lines, settle, settle our, our, our disputes about you know, the inheritance, you know, all those sort of things. And just everybody comes, everybody comes, everybody comes. And, and you know what? Deborah never leads them wrong. Why? Because she listens to God. And she leads. And she provokes. Now, Deborah, who 
is a prophet, so let's just say it. Right? She's a prophet. And the, the wife of Lapidoth, she's married, but he ain't the prophet. Was leading Israel at, time, at that time. She's married, but he ain't the leader. Maybe this is why we don't like to preach this sometimes. Maybe we need more women pastors so this gets preached. I mean, it's what the text says. Deborah is the prophet. She happens to be married. I don't know what happens at home. She's the leader. That's challenging to some people, but evidently not to Yahweh. In what is fascinating about the story of Deborah is you're not going to find many nations as patriarchal as Israel. And yet, she leads. She is the sitting judge for the whole nation. Why? She's got the one thing that is needed to be a leader. She hears God. She listens to God. And she provokes others to follow God's will. And so it says, she held court. She's a judge. She's holding court, right? She, her word has binding power. She held court under the palm tree of Deborah. They named the whole tree after her, apparently. Between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. This is northern Israel. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes settled. If you got a problem, it's Deborah you go to. If you don't know how to settle the problem, it's Deborah you go to. And when you go to Deborah and you ask her for the solution, she always has the right answer. She always has the right solution, but there's going to be a problem. She is a judge which means leader. She is a prophet. She is a provoker of people to do the right thing. But she's not just doing the right thing. She's not just saying the right thing. She's listened. but she's not the general of the army. She's the prophet. She's the judge. She's the provoker of people. She's the one people listen to. But she's not the general of 
the army. And so she's got a problem. Her problem is she gets why Israel is traumatized. She gets that there are 900 iron chariots that cannot be defeated. She gets it because she sits under the palm tree and widow after widow come up to her asking her to settle property right disputes because husbands are being killed. I mean, you can only give so much godly advice if the people are being killed, if the people are being oppressed. If the, what will you tell these people? The situation doesn't get better for how long? 40 years. How long will she sit under that tree? And how long will she divide up shrinking pieces of property? So, it's time. After 40 years, call the Joint Chief of Staff. And to say, I know this is your territory, but everyone is suffering because you are afraid. She sends for Barak, and she says, to Barak, the son of Abion from Kadesh in Naphtali, she said to him, the Lord God, listen to what she says, the Lord God of Israel commands you. He's a provoker. The Lord God of Israel commands you. Go take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and of Zublan and lead them to Mount Tabar. I will send or lead Sisera, this is the general of King Jabin's army, the commander of Jabin's army with all of his chariots and troops, the Kishon, River, and I will give them into your hands. Now, men, how would you like to be called upon by a woman and told you're not being? Man enough. Being told the suffering that's happening is because God has commanded you and you are still afraid. Now, this is interesting. Let's, let's, uh, I, let, let's see how Barak responds. Some men I know would be like, you need to learn your place. And even some men I know who would be a little bit more subtle would be like, 
I see that God has made you the judge and the prophet, but he made me the general. But let's see what he says. Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Now, man, there's an answer I didn't expect to find. Amen? It's not a good answer either. <laughs> the, the, the right answer should have been, I will go. <laughs> I, I, I respect the words of the prophet that God has made the leader. And I will go because God's prophet, who is you, have told me that this is God's command. And I will go. <laughs> but he's like, can you hold my hand? Uh, uh, I know God is with you. <laughs> I'm not sure he's with me. My, 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 my guys, they keep getting shot down. But what did the prophet say to him? God commanded you, Barak, to go. Now, this is interesting. I mean, this is, I mean, we could go psychological here. He won't go without Deborah because he's afraid unless she holds his hand. But what power does he think she has? Other than God's power? And she done told him God's will. So this is messed up on all kinds of levels. But women, here's a point, if you just want a side note. Being strong, being confident, being faithful, allowing God's power to flow through you can help even messed up broken men. And again, it's not your responsibility, but women have a way of getting things done. Watch what happens. She warns him. She's like, okay. I will, she's just like, I will go, but do you get how embarrassing this is? Like, if, if, if you're afraid to go, even though you have God's army with you, you know, isn't that Marvin and the team are singing about the, God's army goes with us into battle, right? You, you, you know, that's what basically God said. Look, if you go, I will deliver them into your hand. Look, it's not even you that have to do the fighting, Barak, right? I have commanded you to go up the Mount Tibor, and, and, and I will call Caesarea's army there, and, and, and the king will be there, and, and we'll wet them all out together, and, and I got it. You just have to show up, but 
But, but he's like, I can't go unless Deborah goes with me. And, and Deborah is like, eh, this is really awkward. This is like really awkward. Like this is not going to look good on you. Like you know your men are going to see me there, right? Look at the way she provokes him. Certainly I, I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course that you are taking, the honor will not be what? Yours. For the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of who? A woman. So Deborah went. Oh my. <laughs> she went with Barak the Kiddash. Can you imagine what that was like that day when they leave Ephraim together, when they leave the palm tree of Deborah together? Can, can, can you imagine? Like, here's Deborah <laughs> leading Barak down the road to go get the troops ready. And she's just like, everyone's going to see, man. But she's like, if this is what it takes to get you to go down that road, I'm going down that road with you. You're going to lose some honor here. but I'm not going to take it from you. I'm just going to go with you down the road. And they go, they get to Mount Tibar, and it's, it's, it's you know, like you can read about it. It's a landslide victory. I mean, he, he, he even pauses. They get there, and he's like, ah. She's like, what are you waiting for? God already told you. Just go, man. And he's like, are you there? But it's landslide. Like, like 10,000 people take down the 900 chariots. It's a landslide victory. God shows up. Everything's overturned. And, 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 and Sisera, he's running for his life. Like his army's wiped out. And he's like, I, there's no chance of getting these iron chariots back up. Right? I'm out of here. And he is running for his life. And so Sisera... Meanwhile, he fled on foot to a tent of Jael. And she's the wife of Hebar, a Canaanite, the same, you know, not an Israelite, a, 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 a tribal group that live on the land as well. And, and, and there was an alliance between the Jabin, the king, and, and the Hazar family. And so he runs there, and he's like, Jael, Jael, hide me in your tent. Hide me in your tent. Like, what? Sure, 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 sure. Come, come into my tent. Would you like to lay down? Are you hungry? Let me get some cheese curds for you. 
get some cheese curds for you and, 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 and a skin of milk. And, like, you, you, you look like you've been in battle. And he's like, well, I can't go to sleep because they're chasing me. Just hide me. Just, just close the ten doors. It's like, just stand guard. Right? Jael, she's like, he went out, he meets her, and she said to him, come in, my Lord. Come right in. Don't be afraid. And he entered her tent. She covered him with a nice blankie. And she picked up a tent peg and a hammer. Made him nice and comfortable. Heated up those cheese curds. They melted just right. She went quietly while he was asleep. And she drove the ten peg to his temple. And he died. Wait. What did Deborah say? Here's what I want you to know about Deborah. Here's the biggest point about Deborah. She don't want to take anyone's glory. She wants to provoke him. She wants to make him do what he's supposed to do. And he war she warns him of natural consequence. But when she says a woman's going to take your glory... She'd be talking about JL. <laughs> She'd be talking about JL, right? A woman takes the glory. A woman takes the glory because the commander of God's armies, a coward, and it's even better. A woman, a pagan woman, a non-profit woman, a woman who was an ally to the enemy, gets the commander of Israel's glory. Because why? Deborah just wants to help her people. She's not in this to build clout for herself. She's not in this to build a reputation for her kingdom. She's not in this to get more people to come to her palm tree. She's not in this so that they will recognize her leadership again. She already has the love of the people. She already has it, and she doesn't get it by doing what they need to get done. She has it simply because she is godly. And as a godly person, we don't even have to say woman because it's the same, right? It's just so happens she's a woman. A godly person is about building God's kingdom. Not about looking for an angle to get ahead of somebody else. 
she sets up not just a win for Barak, but a win for Jael. Because for her, it's about listening to God. It's about leading when she hears God. And it's about provoking other people to do what they too could do if they listened to God. And so, what I'm thinking about today, what, what, what I'm asking you to think about today is who in your life, who in your circle of influence, who is it that you might know are experiencing some spiritual apathy? Maybe you know someone who's stuck in that cycle, right? You know that cycle? Maybe you, need, you know someone who knows what's right to do, but they need to be provoked. Maybe you, need, you know someone who shouldn't need you to hold their, their hand. Like, they really should. It, it, it's really kind of embarrassing that they do. What I love about Deborah is the level of empathy she has. She tells them, Barak, you, you should really do it. Barak, I believe you can do it. Barak, God has told me you can do it. And he's just like, but, but I can't. He's like, but you can't. No, but I can't. But you can't. Come with me. There might be someone that needs you to go a second mile with them. And here's the thing I'm finding out. I, this is the thing I'm finding out. I'm finding out that we too are having spiritual trauma. I'm finding out that, that we too are in a place of spiritual trauma just like the judges. Just like Israel at the time of the judges. We, we've been through uh, COVID spikes, COVID drops, COVID spikes. We, we've been through layoffs, back to work. We've been through uh, open the church, close the church. Uh, we've been through take the vaccine, don't take the vaccine. And it's like after a while, you just don't know what's right anymore. And sometimes someone has to rise. Sometimes someone has to be the one. Sometimes, even though you shouldn't have to, I get it, I get it, I get it. He should be a man, and he should lead his army, and he should just go do what's right. I get it, I get it, I get it. But sometimes someone's going to need you to say, hey, I got you. I got you. It'd be better if you did this on your own. But if you can't, 
I got you. If you would be a Deborah, a godly person who listens to God, a godly person who speaks with God, a godly person who speaks for God. That's what she did, right? And a godly person who will go the extra mile. I mean, she is really doing something God didn't tell her she had to do. I mean, as a prophet and as a woman, all God told her was go tell the man what to do. And she's free, man. Like, she could be like, hey, God, he's got issues, it's not me. (laughs) But she's like, he's like, can you go the extra mile with me? There's probably someone in your life right now. I'm just going to tell you as the team sings that that, that you can be a part of God's angel army. I'm just going to tell you as the team sings, you can be a part of a group of people who are leading people who are spiritually fatigued to the place they need to be at this moment. You can be that person who says, yeah, I got the vaccine tonight and I'm okay. You can be that person who says, yeah, I lost my job too, but I prayed and, 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 and I'm going to pray with you now. You, you can be that person for someone. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, as you hear the team sing, there is a barrack someplace in your life. There's someone who's tired. There's someone who's defeated. There's someone who doesn't know the next step. There's someone who should know. They should know. You know they should know. But if you would take their hand, they would have an amazing victory over iron chariots. If you would take their hand, there's another complete unbeliever like JL out there. And JL may become a person who gets the army's honor for saving God's people. See, the point is, Deborah doesn't know. She is setting JL up. But she doesn't know. You don't know who that frustrating person is and you just want to kick in the pants. But they need you to hold their hand. You don't know what the chain reaction will be. It's not just for Barak. There's a JL out there that you can set off a chain reaction that can bring the whole honor of the church to JL.
You have been listening to a podcast produced by simplyvinny.com. Stop by our website, read our blog, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and all that jazzy promotional stuff. But remember, I'm the podcaster that likes to remind you when life throws a monkey wrench at your head. Jesus is still the logo, the reason, the logic, the word that builds your life back all the way to the kingdom of God. Until next time, God will be blessing you. See you at the next podcast.